Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. Welcome back to the real world. Uh, Not in I, vacation I, I, land anymore. Uh, that's true. Yep. I have shed my Mickey ears. I am back. Uh, we're back in the frozen north. Uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. We, so we went down to Disney last week with the kids. And so Jerry ran a solo episode. I haven't listened to it yet, Jerry, but I heard it was excellent. So, um, but yeah, uh, took his was... Disney for the week, came home a day early because we were getting like two feet of snow where I live. And, and so we came back uh, a day early, but it didn't really affect anything that we were planning on doing anyway. So it was great, man. It was, it was a flawless vacation. Happy to, happy to have one. Sick. I'm glad I, I do love Disney World. I want to go there real soon because all the Star Wars attractions look absolutely amazing. So, yeah, so that's that's all at Hollywood Studios. And so my wife, no, knowing me and my kids, we did two days there. So we did our first day <laughs> there and our last day there. Um, and I don't know exactly what the name of like, I know that it's called like the uh, Galaxy's Edge. It's like the, the park area is what it's called. But the actual like you know, the set has like a name that's like you walk onto this planet or whatever. Um, and it's, it's, it's very impressive, Jerry. I have to say, like, I mean, you know, when I first saw the Falcon in person, like I got goosebumps all up my arms and like, uh, it, you know, it's very, it's very immersive and, and, uh, it's, it's just very, it's very, 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 very cool. Very yeah. Cool. I saw, I saw your pictures you posted. You bought the kids lightsabers that looked badass. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, there's like a, uh, a shop where the kids were like, it's, it's cool because you don't just go in there and like build a lightsaber. You go in there and you have like this, this experience with this actor who like teaches you about like, you know, where these, where these are from. And it's just like a whole, like it's a whole spiel they do. Right. So it's very theatrical and stuff. And, but it was really cool. And so we did the lightsaber building like in the evening. So when they walked outside, they're like super bright and and the lightsabers are actually like they were expensive, but they're extremely high quality, like way better quality than I thought they'd be. Um, so I could not recommend that that enough. Well, I want to stay at the new like Westworld hotel that they're doing for Star Wars, <laughs> where it's like you check in and you stay for two days and everyone in the hotel is an actor. And like depending yes. on the decisions you make, depends on how like your story unfolds, like very so, Westworldy. <laughs> we were on our way home. We were actually in the Uber on our way to the airport. And my wife got an ad for that and she was showing me. And I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. I was like, two days is kind of a kind of rough. Like, how much is it? She's like, oh, it's like. It'd be like six grand for the four of us. I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> like, no <laughs> hard pass. That yeah, is not like, meant for our, that's not, that is not a like, blue collar vacation. <laughs> but like, have you seen Westworld? Like, I just want to go yeah. and like shoot a stormtrooper okay, and like, but that, like kick like him Westworld down a staircase. <laughs> like you understand that, right? <laughs> they were the bad guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, extremely dystopian, just like uh, Disney's corporate policies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah so uh but it was it was fantastic uh we had a we had a great time so uh and i thought we'd be like a one and done you know that we'd just go and, and never want to go back but my wife and i are already talking about our next trip so it was great 
you're a lifer. Yep. It was awesome. Life for- <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 <laughs> well, welcome back, Pat. I'm glad you can join me because we got an awesome guest tonight. We actually have, I believe, the first guest that ever was on Leaving Legacy. Way, way back in episode five, I believe, was our first first guest before I was even on the podcast. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Welcome back, Mr. Bob Wong. Always a pleasure to have you, man. How's it going? It's going well. Really happy to be here. I was just looking at your uh, your kids' pictures of the lightsabers, and those things look real. Like Those are not the lightsabers uh, of your. I remember when I was uh, a kid, like... Those things were like really clunky. They had like this like, thing. Yeah, like they would fold <laughs> in and out. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 you had to wave it really fast to get the lightsaber part to extend. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, they were they were sectioned off chunks, and when you like turned on the light, it was obvious that there was like one light bulb inside. But the, these ones I'm looking at from Pat's kids, they look legit. Like they will slice a tree in half. <laughs> yeah, they're like they're like LED strips, like inlaid into uh, the lightsaber blade. Yeah, they look legitimate. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I might have to make another trip to Disney. I haven't been there in uh, probably a dozen years or so. Um, sounds my, awesome. My girlfriend is obsessed with Disney, so we we already have some uh, some some uh, trips plans. Though I think nice. I'm definitely going to stay at that. Uh, I'm going to save my pennies and stay at the uh, the Westworld experience of Star Wars. <laughs> well, you realize like the robots kill all the humans, right? <laughs> That's what you want to sign up for. See, I think I thought you would say it's like you do realize they're not actually robots yet, and I just like kick kick an actor down a staircase and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, for that money, I I assume they're already robots. If they're not robots, I want my money back. Uh, no, I'm. I think they're like actual live people, like acting out the experience with you, <laughs> which I feel is kind of a little awkward in some ways. But <laughs> that is funny though, because it's like people pretending to be ro- robots pretending to be people. <laughs> I'm sure they have like actual robots too. Like Disney's got loads of robots. Um, but I don't know if you've also been watching like the book of Boba Fett, uh, or like the Mandalorian, but they have a bunch of like references and stuff in the, those shows that are also in like the Disney parks as well. So those, those robots make their rounds. Nice. Uh, but let's get to the heart of legacy. We got a brand new format, Bob. We got the shakeup with the Ragavan band. Uh, we got the, uh, the challenges this week. Uh, there were what four events this week, uh, with, uh, you know, brand new meta lists. Uh, some things changed, some things stayed the same. It looks like, yeah, I mean, you called it a brand new format, but then I, I'm just like, is <laughs> I'm, it? Be, I'm being generous. <laughs> is it though? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, Ragaman had to go and I'm happy that it was banned. Um, but the format is a little bit different, but not that different. I think the biggest difference is, you know, those those blue, red, or Jeskai saga decks, um, those are gone. Um, they've basically just been kind of replaced by, you know, just more Delver, basically. I guess Delver's back to a lot of Delver decks were, you know, only on like two Delvers or maybe even zero Delvers, but we're back up to the full play set. So a little bit of change along the margins, but it's pretty much like there aren't any like, Earth shattering changes from the bands. Um, and then obviously Delver, um, you know, still did really, really well this weekend, which is why a lot of people were like, maybe there needed to be another band. And so far, I mean, week one, um, Delver came out uh, near the top. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's too early to say, you know, got to give it time, let uh, let the format sort itself out a bit. But I'm not going to be surprised if a month from now we're saying, yeah, Blue Red Delver needs another ban. Yeah, and the other the other interesting thing is if you read the BNR closely, they they mentioned that they would be looking in the coming weeks, and they also use the word soon. 
So, um, I mean, an an emergency ban. No, I wouldn't call it an emergency ban, but hopefully it doesn't take, you know, as long. Like I'm, I'm actually okay with the fact that they only ban Raghavan and and not any other cards. Um, because, you know, like that's such a huge shakeup. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that was the only card that needed to be banned and maybe the format will be balanced. Um, it was hard for them to know that. Um, my issue was that they just took so long, but you know, going forward, if they're willing to be, um, you know, like act when needed, then, you know, hopefully that'll be a lot, uh, faster and, and better. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So only time will tell. I will say though, it does look like getting rid of Ragavan did give combo decks a little bit, uh, a couple percentage points. Cause we saw some combo decks do well this weekend. Um, you know, namely, uh, doomsday took down, what was it? The Sunday challenge. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. That, uh, the doomsday pilot, uh, in Richetta, I took down the Sunday challenge and, uh, actually it was really funny. And I, I posted a tweet about it, but apparently the winner of the challenge in Richetta was not aware that Raghavan had been banned. <laughs> <laughs> so classic, classic legacy players. <laughs> yeah. Somehow this person was able to take down, uh, you know, one of, the the biggest events of the weekend and just didn't know it was banned until halfway through the tournament when uh he played the doomsday mirror and they were talking about you know one oracle versus two oracle and he was like oh yeah you, you play two oracles because of ragavan and then it's like well you you, you realize that uh ragavan was banned and then he was like oh really wow. <laughs> you know i haven't seen one all day that's crazy Oh man. Um, also of note is tied for most popular deck with blue red Delver. So blue red Delver was about 10% of the meta and tied with blue red Delver at about 10% of the meta is reanimator. So reanimator is still continuing to make a strong showing as well. I think people really like to play the deck. It's one of the cheaper decks on, on MTGO. It, it yep. falls under uh, you know, a 400 tick, loner limit if that's what you're at um and it's it's not not a bad deck it's just you know really really powerful um looking here of the top eight lists it is the cheapest deck by about 150 tickets so that is pretty substantial when you're looking at you know budget costs and it's about 500 tickets below the most expensive deck the uh the four color control deck ozymandias was piloting Mm -hmm. so yeah, it, it is true. You know, it's a it's a powerful deck for cheap. That's uh that's a pretty good combination for popularity and legacy. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but yeah, let's talk about like the the four events kind of as a whole first, and then we can talk about some individual lists. Yeah. So um, you know, much thanks to Joe Dyer and the Legacy Data Collection Project. Um, they basically compiled uh, the win rates of all the different decks across the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so including the four events, which were two regular challenges, one showcase challenge that was uh, 220 players, and then one um, IRL Buffalo chicken dip legacy event. Um, those four events together, um, we have kind of the top uh, f- top four decks were number one, Green White Depths winning 59% of their matches. Number wow. two, uh, Death and Taxes winning 58%. Number three, Blue Red Delver winning 56%. Uh, and number four, painter winning 54 percent, and then all the decks below that were uh like much closer to 50 percent. so these were kind of the four decks that um distanced themselves from the crowd so i thought that was interesting 
I, I also feel the number four spot, the painter, um, because the dat the data size is so much smaller on that. I feel that that 54% win rate is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty telling as well, you know, comparing that to like a Delver, uh, data where you have so many decks, it's, it's going to result in, uh, you know, some doing pretty well. Uh, I think just that, that smaller sample size of painter kind of shows to the deck's power. Yeah. And then just for, I guess, more disclosure painter, um, there were only nine pilots depths. There were eight pilots, whereas death and taxes, there were 18 pilots and Delver was 66 pilots. Yeah, so, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you could, you could definitely make the argument that, you know, depths and painter, like it was kind of a small sample size. They had a good weekend, but you know, you never know, but clearly the two decks that definitely, you know, outperformed were uh, death and taxes, which has a good Delver matchup. And then Delver just really good at beating up on everything else. All the um, other decks that we kind of talked about, like various combo decks and most control decks, did not actually not actually do that well this weekend. Their overall win rate of Reanimator was forty seven percent, Doomsday was forty nine percent. So that was it, it's fine. It's not too far from fifty percent. But there were also like a bunch of combo decks that did really poorly. Like Storm was like Ant was forty percent, Test was twenty percent, Alluren was thirty percent. So um, a lot of decks out there getting farmed by Delver. Uh, Sneak and Show. Actually did all right, fifty-two percent. All right, I'll take it. It's above average. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'll I can kind of forgive though the reanimator uh, percentage though, just because like we said, it being such an affordable deck that also tends to mean it has some of the newest pilots. Um, so Agreed. that can also kind of drag the uh, the stats down a little bit as far as the win rate goes. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what's what's just your your first blush, Bob? I know we said, you know, some things change, but not, you know, some things stay the same. Do you feel like there was at least a step in the right direction or do you feel like really nothing's changed at all? Uh, honestly, I mean, before Rockavan was banned, I want to say Delver's win rate and challenges was above 50, but not quite 55. So in a way, Delver is doing better than before. I'm not. I'm not sure that this will, you know, continue per se. But um, I mean, I, I will say from this weekend, it's pretty obvious that like Delver is still going to be the most played deck, and then we'll have a consistently high win rate above fifty percent. If it's you know fifty five percent plus, or if it's just closer to like fifty two, you know, time will tell. But it's definitely still you know the top dog more or less. Um, and then also worth noting that you know death and taxes. In the showcase challenge, won 67% of its matches against Delver. So it is still well set up to, to beat that matchup, even though, you know, some people were like, oh, the Death and Taxes matchup got easier because uh, Raghavan was not very good against Death and Taxes. But it seems like Death and Taxes uh, still has Delver's number. Yeah. And it doesn't look like we're seeing any of the old favorites come in at all. You know, like we're not seeing Taylor Swift spear um, come back. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Where, I mean, most of the Delver decks played, um, you know, the, the 12 creatures you might expect four Mark Tide, four Delver, four Dragon Blade Channeler, and then two flex slots. I saw people playing Sprite Dragon. I saw people playing hmm. Pyromancer. I think those Pyromancer probably is the most popular. People um, were also playing Borrower. I'm surprised Sprite Dragon was was making a bit of appearance. So that's I mean that's at least something. It's a little different, but when you know when the most of the deck is the same and you just pick your flex slot on the creatures, <laughs> <laughs> it's like choosing between table salt and kosher salts. You know, does it <laughs> does it matter? <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, 
we'll look for the differences where we can find them. Sorry, Pat, I tried. You still, you still. No, can't. It's, I mean, like it's. It, I think that Blue Red Delver right now is kind of in a nebulous spot, so we'll we'll see in the coming weeks sort of where it shakes out to you know where it's going to live, basically. You know what form it's going to take. So I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see what happens. What are you going to mm-hmm. do with your uh, your Japanese ragavans now? Uh, I got to list them on the modern Jap uh, on the uh, the Japanese Facebook page. And get him get him moved out of here. I only played him once, and that was more than once than I needed. So <laughs> hey, I never uh, liked that card anyway. <laughs> I got some use out of them, Pat. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, good. Go, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. So yeah, Bob probably cast him more times than I did. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, what's the which uh, LAL open was that? That was our most think recent was the last one we one. did. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Yep. Pretty yep. good. Yep. Pretty good. Do you think that do you think that Ragavan was around for too long, Bob? Or do you think that they timed the banning like at the at the right time? Or it was too late, too early? I don't know. Well, okay, so from a like competitive uh player's mindset, I think it was probably a few months too late. I think a lot of people would have preferred to see it before Eternal Weekend rather than mm-hmm. you know two months after. Yeah. Um it was pretty clear to to most people that like even if Delver wasn't, you know, winning an absurd amount, the play patterns around the card were not very enjoyable. It just led to right. extremely swingy games where, you know, there was nothing you could do in half the games that you lost to that card, plus some of the feel-badsies of, um, you know, losing to your own cards. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I was playing, you know, uh, a lot of eight cast, and whenever Naragavan hit, like, a chalice, I, I would, like, flip the table. I'd be like, okay, now I can't play any of my spells because <laughs> they put a chalice on zero. Great. Right, right. Yeah. Where I know you've, uh, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your wealth, but I feel your opinion on this has kind of shifted uh, over the past couple months that we've been chatting. How do you feel about the days ban? Which camp are you in? So I, I don't know. I'm not as like pro days as some people. Like I agree, it's you know super powerful. Um, and then if they keep you know playing uh, printing these swingy cards, then we might need to keep banning them. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, Gavin did tweet recently that, um, you know, nothing is off the table is what he said. So, but he said there is a higher bar for banning, you know, older cards. And, you know, Days has been long uh, around longer than Legacy has been around. Uh, Legacy has only really been a format for 17 years and Days has been around for, for 20 plus. So there, there has to be a, a pretty compelling reason to ban Days. And I still think like the gameplay around Days is, is somewhat interesting um, it's the threats that, you know, if, if those were nerfed just a little bit more, I think, um, days would be totally fine. Yeah. I, I said it last week. I'll say it again. Days is the same card. It was printed back in nemesis, you know, 20 years ago, days hasn't changed. The formats changed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't leave my format. My format left me. <laughs> yeah. And, and legacy's also gotten the spot where it's a, you know, well-aged format now people like um you know leaving things as is and a lot of people are you know not the super competitive player either um like they like seeing you know and having their archetype be preserved over over time rather than you know needing to buy um lots of news cards (laughs) every every couple years right right exactly um speaking of buying new cards though i don't know if we want to transition into uh spoilers because there's some sweetness that got uh spoiled this week yeah let's do that i i love the flavor of the set so far i just um in general i'm a sucker for anything kind of futuristic i love blade runner love sci-fi dune and then um the fact that this set is kind of 
future combined with um, Kamigawa, I think is super interesting. It's like a unique take on that. Um, Japanese cyberpunk. I, I, I love the flavor of the set. And I love like the art is super cool. They have like, I don't know. They just today they spoiled this Voltron card called Mech Titan. Yep. <laughs> um, it just uh, is, 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 is it's fun. I'll just say that it's fun. Yeah, for sure. I will say it is growing on me. Um, I was at first really put off about it because I really loved original Kamigawa. And I just kind of felt that by doing this like future Kamigawa, it's closing the door on us ever getting a, a sequel to like OG Kamigawa. And I was afraid, you know, it was going to clash really heavily. But now that I'm like scrolling through the spoilers and actually looking at the cards, I feel they actually did incorporate the flavor pretty well. I'm I my my fears that I voiced when they like the trailer came out, like when the trailer came out, it straight looked like Cyberpunk 2077, the set. And I was <laughs> I was very off put by that. I felt it didn't fit. It was going to be like way too jarring side by side with other magic cards. But now going through this spoiler, it it's not as pronounced it definitely has that futuristic flavor but it doesn't feel like a completely different card game that i was really afraid of when i saw the you know the announcement trailer yeah what about you pat have you looked at some of the spoilers yet uh so i didn't realize that so many had been released like i was like oh i popped a mythic spoiler i expect to see like a you know a dozen or so but they've released like a, a pretty significant chunk of the set so no the cards we talk about tonight it'll be my first blush looking at them which i'm kind of excited for um I have no love for Kamigawa as a set only because it was a set that was released when I was, wasn't playing magic. It was like, you know, after I had taken a, or in the middle of when I took a break, you know, when I was in college or whatever. Um, and that's not to say like, I thought that was, it was a bad set. I just had no, you know, interaction with it whatsoever. Like I've never opened a pack of Kamigawa. I've never drafted it, you know? So, um, but the, uh, the cards are cool. I guess the, the art is like, not my, not my, like, uh, you know, personal like flavor, but it's, I'm, I'm glad that you like the Bob. Great. Um, I think some of the basic lands actually look pretty dope. I'm looking at those. Now the full art basic lands look actually really cool. I do like that. The sagas are a, a callback to OG Kamigawa and the OG style. Like I really like this behold the unspeakable. <laughs> I saw the Kiki Jiki one too, which I thought was pretty cool. I was just yep. taking a look at that. The fa- fable of the mirror breaker. That's pretty cool. I, I back when I was a filthy casual when Kamigawa was out, I had a uh, an unspeakable deck, which um, it was like peer through depths, dig through depths, uh, or reach through the mists. I think is the third one, but it was a cycle of three cantrips. And mm-hmm. if you played all three cantrips in the same turn, you could search your deck for the unspeakable, which was this like six seven flying spirit guy, and put him into play. It was so much fun, and it's it's cool to see like the Easter egg that they included in this set for it. So they nice. definitely they definitely nailed some Kamigawa nostalgia, despite it being a very you know different set from OG Kamigawa. Mm-hmm. Did, did you see the the lizard blades, the artifact creature? <laughs> I thought you were going to bring these up, Pat. They they, they so, are pretty sweet. That's that's cool. Is is this something like um I I don't know if I've ever seen like a, an equipment that was a creature yeah, that it's... could be attached to something else? Is that new? is this something new? Yeah, that's a new mechanic reconfigured. Okay. Okay. What's, what's I hadn't the... seen anything like that before. What's the lizard blade card? Is it called lizard blades? Yeah, lizard blades. Yeah, lizard blades. It's a one in a red for artifact creature equipment lizard. It has double strike, and then an equipped creature has double strike, and you can reconfigure it for two. And it's a uh, one one. It's kind of cool. One is its base stats? Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of cool. 
Yeah, so how these cards play out is they enter the battlefield as a creature, um, and then if you reconfigure, then they become an equipment. Now, if the creature dies, then it becomes a cre- uh, then this falls off and becomes a creature again. Oh, it doesn't fall off as an equipment. I thought you would have to like pay re- the reconfigure cost to turn it back into a creature, but it just it falls off as a creature. That's better than I thought. Then yeah, so basically, it's kind of um, you know extra redundancy against removal spells. Uh, hmm. You know, you'll just always have kind of a beater afterwards, regardless of what happens to the creature. That's pretty cool. I like that. Are there more? uh reconfigure cards in the set there are a lot it should be um yeah it should be an interesting mechanic for limited as well um oh, I d- sure, actually yeah. i want to i do want to call it a card because i think it might be the best card for legacy in this set and it has reconfigure so uh it's one in a white uh lion sash yeah uh artifact creature okay. equipment cat it looks pretty badass it looks like uh one of those like dragons um that you see around uh lunar oh, year yeah, yeah, which yeah. is uh which is next uh tomorrow actually but um, all right, so the rest of the card. Uh, pay a white, exile a card from a graveyard. Uh, if it was a permanent, put a plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. Um, and in Lion Sash is a one, one. And the equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each, plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. And then you can reconfigure for two. Uh, and the reason why I'm excited about this card is because uh, it fits so perfectly into Death and Taxes. It's basically yeah. mm-hmm. a more um, powerful scavenging ooze. Um, right. You know, you, you can tutor it with Recruiter of the Guard. You can tutor it with Stoneforge Mystic, which is pretty different, <laughs> tutoring a creature. Oh, right, um, right. Yep. And then just the fact that, like, you can just, you know, grow this thing and use it as combo hate uh, and a beater and an equipment. It just kind of does so much um, for one card. What I like, too, is Scavenging Ooze only grows if you exile a creature. This grows if you exile just any permanent card. Exactly. So it can get big really quickly. I mean, if you think about Scavenging Ooze, um, I mean, one advantage of Ooze is that you can gain some life. So I think this card might be slightly weaker against Delver. Mm-hmm. But if you also think this is Legacy, what gets in the graveyard most easily? It's lands. Um, right. Fetch lands, plus Death and Taxes, plus Wastelands. Um, this is going to grow much, much faster than scavenging goose. Yeah. It's actually funny hearing people talk about it. It's like, yeah, but what do we cut? And then I'm just like, you cut sort of fire and ice, any list running sort of fire and ice, this uh, <laughs> slot right in. And I don't know. I think it might even be better than Jitte. What do you, what do you think, Bob? I mean, I think I, like a lot of the, um, D and T lists are, you know, 80 cards now running Yorion and a lot of them have already cut sort of fire and ice. And a lot of them, um, if they play Urza Saga, they also play Shadow Spear. So I think this is just a, I, I almost think of it as like a creature slot and not an equipment slot oh, okay. because yeah. it just comes into play as a creature. So if you draw it, it's not like it's not like it's going to clunk up your hand. Like if you draw too many equipment, um, it's just going to be totally fine if you draw it. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. It's funny because Death and Taxes become such like, um, I feel like when I first started playing Legacy, it was more not like all four ofs for sure, but like it was just a much more like tight list. Whereas now it's like, it just feels like a bunch of one and two ofs mashed together. So it's interesting. So this will, I'm sure find a place in that deck, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's definitely the card to watch. It's probably the card you want to pick up. If you are, you know, your goal is to have all the legacy playables from every set that comes out. Um, definitely going to see some, some action from it. Yeah. Um, Pat, they've printed so many good cards for death and taxes in the past, you know, several years. Every almost every set has something for death and taxes. They're the one mm-hmm. one deck that gets so much wizards love. 
<laughs> right. And, and that's the problem, though, is like it gets so much that it sets the bar higher and higher. Like I can just feel the exasperation from the legacy death and taxes Facebook group every time a new set comes out. Like the mods <laughs> have to like sticky a post of like, no, your random three drop creature is not good enough for the for the deck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just because <laughs> the Wizards print so many cards for it that look like they would be good enough. And there's just been so many of them over the last 10 years. Chances are it's probably not good enough. <laughs> But I think we actually cracked the molds with uh with uh Lion Sash. Uh while we're on the topic though of color shifted cards, while well, Lion Sash is a uh kind of a color shifted scavenging ooze, I also like the color shifted elvish visionary. So spirited companion is one in a white for a one-one enchantment creature dog the fact that it's an enchantment creature i think is going to be a big deal and it's whenever spirited companion enters the battlefield draw a card um now it doesn't have the synergies that elvish visionary had uh just for the sheer fact that it's not a elf uh, and can't be you know bounce a symbiote but i feel the fact that this is an enchantment itself um means it's it's going to have some synergies that probably aren't immediately obvious to us right now this card is is Probably one of the cutest cards in the set. Yes, um, the art is also that a Shiba Inu. Yeah, the art is also <laughs> adorable. It's a Shiba, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fantasy Shiba Inu. <laughs> yep. And I mean, anytime you have a, a really cheap card that says draw a card on it when it comes into play, like that's always something to kind of, you know, keep in the back of your mind. Um, that, mm-hmm. that that feels abusable. Mm-hmm. Not, that, not that I would abuse such a, a heartwarming pup. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, it does feel like there's a enchantments theme to this set. And it looks like Enchantress as a deck is actually going to get some uh, some toys here. There's also this, you know, Jukai Naturalist which is a green and a white for a 2-2 enchantment creature, lifelink enchantment spells you cost, cast one less to cast. And the reason why I'm just bringing it up is just that enchantment subtype matters a lot for cards with like Enchantress's presence, you know, keeping that enchantment count, you know, dense in the deck while still adding in some, uh, you know, alternatives. Though we were talking before the show, Bob, that an Enchantress list recently uh, did well by kind of dipping into Land's playbook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this card definitely could um, you know show up in Enchantress. Yes, uh, there's a there's a very well known kind of Enchantress grinder on MTGO, Spatula of the Ages. Um, actually, used to be from uh, DC area, and um, his recent build of Enchantress has eight uh, explorations in it. So regular exploration plus Valica exploration, which are you know both enchantments. So um, I'm really curious to see this deck in action because I could. The, you know, Enchantress already draws a bajillion cards, but then, you know, this card also, um, by playing, you know, Exploration with Valakut Exploration, I could see you just putting your entire deck into play in, in one turn. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and who knows, maybe Enchantress could use um, use a little little doge. A little doge. <laughs> a little doge action. Um, speaking of lands, though, uh lands and also any deck running life from the loam got a huge buff with uh you who endures the new legendary land that got spoiled so what, what do we think about this card guys i i hate this card um <laughs> but you can you can read it first before i explain why i hate it so Besaju who endures is a legendary land it comes into play on taps you know usually i would expect a card like this to come into play on taps but wizard says no sir just comes into play untapped you can tap it for green and then it also has channel one in a green 
Discard Beseju who endures, destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non-basic lands an opponent controls. That player may search their library for a land card with a basic land type, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. That sounds like, I mean, in a deck that runs, you know, like recursion, like, uh, like Landswood, it seems like a, a real beater against like any decks that, because like that's the problem with lands is that it tends to go along with their glacial chasms. You're trying to find a way around glacial chasm, yada yada. And this car seems like uh, one of those things that can just slowly like tick away your land base if you're not running a lot of the basics. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. feels like it it puts the nail in the coffin of anyone trying to race uh, like a wasteland lock against lands. Like mm-hmm. you know you're playing against lands and you you get some good land drops and you think you can win the game. You know lands gets its wasteland life from the loam lock online, but you know maybe they don't they didn't have the exploration or maybe it's late enough in the game that even a single exploration is still not enough and you can try and mm-hmm. win win the game game uh before all your lands get nuked and now besage was just like nope <laughs> we're killing right. all your lands all the time good luck yeah i mean they can loam it back and it's yeah it seems seems not great <laughs> yeah because i just imagine like cast life in the loam return like two wastelands and a besage who endures uh mm-hmm. with my exploration i play my two wastelands and then besage you i just nuked three of your lands off the board <laughs> Right, right. So, okay, so one thing I do want to call out about the card is um, I misread it too when I first read it, but um, that it says that player may search their library for a land card with a basic land type. And so they can actually find duels with it. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. So it's a little, oh, yeah. okay. it's a little okay. different from like Assassin's Trophy, which, you know, finds a basic. Gotcha. Um, okay. So it can be used to kind of, you know, uh, wasteland an opponent down to nothing. Um, but I mean, I guess you can't tar- target basics. So if they have basics, that those are safe from Boseju. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I don't like about the card is that it basically doesn't have a drawback. Um, it's a forest. Yeah. Um, it is legendary. So if you do put multiple in your deck, then you know you could draw multiple, but then that's not. I, I don't even. It used to be because you're, you're still. You're not. It's not a permanent. Like you, if you draw multiple, you play one as a forest, then you use the other one to repeatedly channel. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it doesn't have the legend drawback as you know right. most legends do. You can you always find a use for it, um, and it's just like kind of an extra tool. Um, it's also even more scary in vintage because. Um, you know, typically shops gets out like Trinisphere's Fear of Resistance to stop you from playing the game. But this card is not a spell. You activate this channel ability. So it's kind of um, the first way that's been printed to destroy Trinisphere for less than three mana. Oh. Also gets around um, Chalice of the Void locks. So, you know, you can, yep. still, you can blow up Chalice of the Voids um, because you're not actually casting it. So... Yeah. Plus, I mean, being able to hit artifacts and enchantments, like I'm, I'm honestly just surprised they didn't just throw, you know, creatures on there for for shits and giggles. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one thing I will say, like, it does seem like it'll, you know, because they can get any land. Um, it's not the best tool for kind of wastelanding your opponent, and it technically is card disadvantage. But it's just kind of like a little bit too flexible. I would have preferred if it was like a pain land or or a tap land, like have some, mm-hmm. you know, more real disadvantage. But um, I mean, I think what might happen is just like, you know, most green decks might want to play one, some some with life from the low might want to play two or three. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I think it's definitely going to see play. Uh, I think it's going to be a pain in the ass. Uh, someone pointed out, it's like, man, imagine if Renin 6 was still legal with this. <laughs> like, dear Lord. It is in modern. <laughs> yeah. People are going to be like, doing that in modern. <laughs> like, I think Renin 6 is getting banned in modern soon. <laughs> <laughs> um any other uh cards that we think are you know potential for seeing you know competitive play before we move on to kind of like uh our, our favorite picks for the set um i think the blue one of that cycle is interesting too oh yeah i don't um, i haven't even seen the blue one yet so the blue one is otawara heavenly city um you know and then the channel ability is uh threena blue um discard return target artifact creature enchantment or planeswalker to its owner's hand this ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control what's the original cost on it uh four four Hmm. so but you can get it down to one if you have three legendary creatures so i've been playing a lot of eight cast and that deck plays emery and sai um and then you know you could play urza too so I, i could definitely see um you know some blue artifact shells that could get this channel cost down uh, and potentially try this card out because you know as i said as a one of like there's no real downside <laughs> yeah and also for anyone who played back in the day uh you know probably around like 2003 if you remember like the buyback control uh, uh list with cap size that was uh, a pretty brutal thing to be on the receiving end of of someone just mm-hmm. repeatedly bouncing your stuff with a with a cap size buybacks <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what it kind of kind of reminds me of yeah this card's really flexible it can return pretty much anything um artifact creature enchantment planeswalker it's a lot of different things yeah <laughs> that uh, is a lot of things the thing i feel though is there aren't that many like blue based loam decks though. Like loam is usually, well, I guess the aggro loam is adopted blue at this point. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a moot point, but uh, yeah. But is, is recursion really like what you need to make this card good or is this card just that's, good because that's true. You there's just, no drawback to it. I mean, you well, I mean, there's still always the drawback of you're not running a basic lance. Like this is probably taking the okay. spot of a basic Island. So, mm-hmm. okay maybe i mean i could see this actually you know what i could see i could see something like sneak and show running this as a like emergency like uh escape uh <laughs> escape vehicle for uh you know anything that comes up uh, game one you know i could see cutting us one of the islands in order to have this as a way to like bounce something uh that's giving me a hard time like an ensnaring bridge um mm-hmm. or a uh damn I'm blanking on a containment priest like something, yeah. something of that nature um so i i could see i could see you know something like sneaky also if you have a grizzle brand out cost one less exactly value value people humility it bounces <laughs> humility too yeah b- bounces bounces humility so i mean i i could see actually that i could see sneaky show running this as a uh, one of hmm. yeah i mean it is a little too free i mean there is you know you mentioned the downside which is is replacing a basic so um, you know, you are a little bit more weak to wasteland. If you're running blood moons in the board, that, that gets a little bit worse, or you might not want to run blood moon anymore. Um, so there are, you know, a little bit um, more drawbacks that we, than we alluded to, but it's still, I think it's just still too, too low of a drawback, but we'll see how these play out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, should we move on to just like pet cards of the set? Yeah, go for it. Um, so I'm actually really interested in uh, Satoru Umazawa, 
Um, so Satoru Umazawa is one blue black for a legendary creature, human ninja, two four. Whenever you activate a ninjutsu ability, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them onto your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This ability triggers only once each turn. That's fine. What really gets my uh, Jimmy's in a Russell looking at uh, Umazawa here is <laughs> its second ability. Each creature in your hands has ninjutsu to blue black. <laughs> and the reason why I really like this is because blue blacks uh, show and tell has been on the cusp, <laughs> been on the cusp of greatness for years now. And its biggest Jeez. drawback is it just did not have a four mana slot to replace sneak attack. You know, we got the show and tell for blue. That's that's fine. But from the black side, we were missing a sneak attack effect. And I think I hope <laughs> I pray that Mr. Umazawa here is the sneak attack effects that blue black show and tell has been looking for. Uh, you know, blue black show and tell is already running. Like the big reason for running black is to have access to discard, being more proactive in your game plan, being able to thought seize your opponents, you know, thought seize seeing that the coast is clear and then show and telling just in case um, is, is a great line of play. And also running things like Baleful Strix, which just so happened to work great with ninjutsu abilities. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of in love. I'm, I'm thinking this, we, we might have some legs here. We might have some, we might have some, you know, give and take. I, I want to see Mr. Umazawa in action. That, that's some value right there. <laughs> Returning Baleful Strix, put in a Grizzlebrand, draw seven, play Baleful Strix, draw one. Yep. Seven plus one, baby. 1911 fans, where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> seven plus one two world wars two world wars <laughs> what <laughs> if you know you know if you don't know oh, you geez. don't know okay <laughs> um so yeah uh, mr umazawa is kind of one of my pet cards for the set uh any of you guys see anything that uh kind of just makes you smile uh well i'm looking at the reality chip i don't really care that much for the card but it's a legendary artifact creature equipment jellyfish. <laughs> jellyfish? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So that's something. Uh, my friend wants to make that into his commander. He wants to make a commander deck based around it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's also the jellyfish a, commander. There's also a turtle ninja. And I'm just like, why did they just make it a ninja turtle? <laughs> well, there's also there's why? also a rat ninja as well. So they have splinter in here as well. The silver fur master. Uh, they needed. Oh to, yeah. They needed to print like four turtle ninjas. There needed to be four turtle ninjas, and then the rat that would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually used to have nightmares of um of the rat ninja or splinter. Right. <laughs> I had I I um when I was a kid, I think like I might have um s like stayed in the same room as my grandmother. Um, who's living with us and like i think mm -hmm. one time i was i was probably like five or six years old and i saw like something moving around in the room in the middle of the night and it was just like like a little hunched over like oh, moving no. kind of slowly and i was like just living in terror and like oh, no. now thinking back as an adult like that was probably my grandmother but um <laughs> i used to be very scared of that rat Oh man! Well, if you want to trigger some PTSD, Bob, uh, Netflix just added all of the 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle um, movies to the Netflix repertoire. I I can say that because I watched the uh, the worst yet best one, Secret of uh, Secret of the Ooze, or no, uh, Turtles in Time. I watched Turtles in Time the other night. <laughs> nice. Um. 
I also have, uh, I'm really liking it's, I don't, I don't even really know what it does, but I just love the art of it. I just saw this uh, biting palm ninja as some definite uh, scorpion from uh, Mortal Kombat vibes going mm. on. So biting oh, palm. Oh, really? Yeah. It's this, is this like ninja clad in black and he's holding his like hand out and his hand has like the, uh, the mouth in it, like scorpion. Oh, awesome. <laughs> from the Mortal That's Kombat. Awesome. And he has the like the whip chain like circling behind him. Like it is. Oh, def- yeah. It's definitely scorpion. Yeah. yeah like it is 100% scorpion right here. That's but uh, what's this card even do? So biting palm ninja. Two in a black for a three-three ninjutsu. Two in a black, biting palm ninja enters the battlefield with a menace counter on it. Whenever biting palm ninja deals combat damage to a player, you may remove a menace counter from it. When you do, that player reveals their hand and you choose a non-land card from it. Exile that card. Eh, that's fine. I don't think it's good enough to make it into the ninja deck. Uh, speaking of though, definitely looks like the ninja deck might get some new toys because there are a Frick ton of ninjas in this set. Like, oh, good yeah, lord, look at all these ninjas. A lot of ninjas. <laughs> like, the ninjutsu deck's got to get something out of this set, I feel. Yeah, I'm uh, looking through. Um, I see they're bringing back the invoke site. Well, they're they're creating an invoke cycle as well. Yeah. Because they have invoke despair, invoke justice. Yep, the invoke style. I don't know uh, if there's a red or green one yet, but. What was the original cycle for that? Uh, invoke prejudice. Oh, but that I thought that's a card we do not talk about. Yeah, <laughs> was, there any, was there anything else? Talk about it. We're not, we're not, but it's, it's funny. But a bunch it seems of like clan it, members on it. it. But it seems like it's a direct reference because they have the same mana cost as Invoke. Like it's Invoke a thousand was, percent the same reference. Yeah, it's like one. So that's kind of conflicting messaging. Wizards like we're we're banning this card. We're not supposed to talk about it, but we're going to make reference uh, cycle referencing it. So if they could, I mean, they could have just re-released the card with not. A bunch of clan members on the front right yeah just change the art <laughs> yeah just change the art you've been fine but you know that's uh that's a nuanced approach to something that you know i wonder if that i'm not was... even gonna i'm not even gonna get into it We're just i wonder if that on. was the original plan and they like scrapped it but they had already designed these cards the cycles so like well we got to keep the cycle in like i don't know i guess i don't know i don't know either um i will also say there is one thing that makes me very nervous because it feels like it's a teaser for the next set there is a single card in this uh in this set so far that has a unique mechanic that we have not seen before well sort of seen but it's a variation they're bringing back phyrexian mana oh well jinkataxis is in this uh set yeah so jinkataxis is in the set which is why i feel like phyrexian was was that were they an original kamigawa no phyrexians no, okay. so the thing is Phyrexian. So that's so so tinfoil tinfoil hat theory right now. Are the Phyrexians the new Eldrazi? Is that what this is? Well, they came in about in Mirrodin, which was the set that came out immediately before the original Kamigawa. Okay. And now we're going back to Kamigawa, and the Phyrexians are coming back. So it feels like it's just like kind of completing the circle there. You know, we're going from OG Mirrodin with the Phyrexians to now coming back to Kamigawa, which back then was the next set in the in line. And uh, uh, the cogs are spinning, Pat. I'm drawing lines on chalkboards. Yarns. I mean, even Tamio is even Tamio has um has um Phyrexian mana cost now. No, well, that's what I'm saying. So Tamio has yeah. Phyrexian mana. It's two green, blue, and then Phyrexian Simic. Phyrexian Simic. So they're bringing back Phyrexian yeah. mana as a hybrid can either be paid with green, blue, or two life. And Phyrexian mana was a problem. It led to two banned cards of Gitaxian Probe and Mental Misstep. 
It's uh, it's pretty high up there. Taxium probe did nothing wrong, by the way. I, I feel Phyrexian <laughs> Mana. Probe. Phyrexian Mana, I'm going to put it as like a, an eight or nine on the, on the storm scale of like Come dangerous, on. dangerous mechanics. Come on. Any time you have a mechanic that lowers the casting cost of a spell or lets it play for free, you're opening Pandora's box just a little bit, a little bit further, and you really run the risk of, uh, you know, making something really broken. Or fun. I mean, you say broken, I say fun. <laughs> knock on wood they've hopefully learned their lesson i think this cameo also has a pretty interesting design because bob the last time you... i heard someone say i hope they learned their lesson as we were talking about modern horizon 2 spoilers and look yeah, that's 100 true that's 100 true <laughs> touche um but yeah let me just read the card because I, I do think they made an interesting design choice here um if life was paid this planeswalker comes into play with two fewer loyalty so Normally, if you pay five mana, then it comes one with five counters. But if you pay four mana, it only has three loyalty counters. So I think that's kind of an interesting way to, you know, balance the card somewhat. Otherwise, you know, people are just going to pay Frexian mana every single time on this thing. Right, right. Um, but yeah, the abilities, um, not super legacy relevant since it costs, you know, four to five mana. But uh, plus one, tap one artifact or creature. It doesn't untap during its controller's next untap. Minus X, exile target non-land permanent with mana value X from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of that. And then minus seven, create Tamiya's Notebook, a legendary colorless artifact token with spells you cast cost two less and tap draw a card. So that's oh, wow. probably a fun card to play with. Yeah. Um, looking also at the Planeswalkers, this Tezzeret actually looks really interesting. So Tezzeret, Betrayer of Flesh, Two blue, blue, four loyalty, and it just has a static ability. The first activated ability of an artifact you activate each turn costs two less to activate. All right, that's nothing to sneeze at, um, especially if you're like, say, uh, you know, paying the untapped cost on something like Grim Monolith or something like that. Um, and then it has plus one, draw two cards. What about like Saga decks too, right? Sorry, continue. Yeah, Saga deck, like anything. Like that, yeah. that static yeah. ability is, is nothing to sneeze at is all I want to say. And then it's plus one is draw two cards, then discard two cards, unless you discard an artifact card. So right there, that can be some card advantage. It's minus two is kind of weak. I wish it's minus two was better. If it's, if it was, I feel this would be a lot, you know, stronger contender, but it's minus two target artifact becomes an artifact creature. If it isn't a vehicle, it has base power and toughness of four, four. So, okay. And then, what really gets me is it's minus six. You get an emblem with whenever an artifact you control becomes tapped, draw a card. Hmm. And that's tapped for any reason. <laughs> so now your artifact lands, uh, add mana and draw a card every time you tap them for mana. Right, right. Every time you swing with an artifact creature, you draw a card. So anytime mm -hmm. you tap in, you know, a mana rock for mana, you draw a card. Um, hmm. I don't think it's quite good enough. It's a little too clunky, but it, it definitely feels like it would be very fun to get into play in ultimate way. For sure. Yeah. I, I, it would be interesting if, um, like maybe you could use it for a combo deck, but then it, it says it's only the first activated ability of an artifact you activate each turn. So you'll, right. you'll get some value. You can do like an equip for cheap or you can, you know, um, do something for cheap, but it's not going to be a, a recurring thing. 
that's the problem is uh, I guarantee you that was probably how it was originally drafted up. And then someone remember, said, it's like, hey, remember Basalt Monolith exists? Like that would just in, in instantly be right. uh, two card, create infinite mana. Yep. So, but yeah, I, I mean, maybe, I mean, Karn decks are popular. I could, I could see a Karn player, you know, slotting this in as a one of just to try it out. Yeah, so I think that's um, most of the spoilers. Seems like maybe roughly half the set has been spoiled, um, and it's coming out in two weeks. So I'm definitely uh, looking forward to this one. I'd say seems like there's you know a few legacy bangers that we touched on earlier, but overall power level of the set isn't you know too crazy or anything. So that's that's kind of the sweet spot I think. If if there's a couple legacy playables, but nothing like egregious. I think it's going to really come into play to see how it is once uh, Besage you and see how we play with it. Like I'm, I'm afraid Besaju is going to create some miserable play patterns, but we shall see. We shall see. I also just kind of don't like playing its lands in general. So <laughs> <laughs> you like having mana. I like having mana, <laughs> mana denial is no fun. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I think that's pretty much it. You're probably not the biggest fan of death and taxes either then. I've, it's been a love hate relationship, but I've come around. I've come around to hating it. <laughs> to hate it. To hate it. we're currently in we're in a hate hate relationship it's funny because death and taxes you know they don't let you like play your spells they don't let you kill their creatures because of mother ruins now they don't even let you draw mm-hmm. cards because they they play four spirit of the labyrinth so they, they cut all the other like revokers and stuff and now they're like nope no drawing cards no casting spells no killing my creatures I'm okay with that. Like I can give up drawing seven with Grizzlebrand if I can actually, you know, uh, activate my sneak attacks. So uh, that that's that's an upgrade for me. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. I do got to say these these freaking basics are beautiful. The uh, I don't, the full I art ones they're cool, right? Yeah, I just really wish they definitely the, caught uh, my eye. I really wish the name was smaller. Like I really want to focus on the art, and you got this big, I old, know. big old kanji with the uh, mana symbol on they there. They do that... it. They do it every time, man. They, yeah. I mean, again, that would be totally cool if it was just like half the size. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. But the uh, the art is very interesting, I especially like pretty... especially the planes one because the planes one is two kanji instead of one, so it's like it's mm. twice as big. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, some of that art is really intricate too. Like. There's the field one, which I think is nice, but then the other planes one is, yeah, this, is like a like whole city. city. Yeah. yeah, it looks sick. These actually remind me a little bit of the um, the APAC lands and the in the Eurolands that are like, oh yeah, of actual places because these look like these mm-hmm. could be actual places too. Um, yeah, yeah, like, like some of these do look a little futuristic. Um, like one of the islands has like some floating buildings, but a lot of these look like it could just be like a real place. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very cool. It's very cool. I like it a lot. So I will say I have definitely warmed up to this set. Um, I st- I still think all the different art styles and they're printing like every card eight times and like different color shifts and all that is just like so dumb. It's so dumb. It's <laughs> like, just impossible to keep track of. Well, it also just like the different colors are at different rarities too. Like that that's the sort of stuff that just pisses me off. <laughs> mm. Come on, wizards. It's like it, it, though I will say it's one of the few times where I'm I'm actually glad I'm colorblind and I can't tell. But that means like I could open a card and I could have like a super rare version of the card and not even realize that I have a super rare version of the card. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think they're at least making them sufficiently different. I know what you're talking about. Like some of the time it's like 
only one tiny thing is different and then the card's worth like mm. twice as much. Um, but I think at least for these, it seems like the distinct arts are, are very different. But I, I agree that there's way too many versions of a card. We only need like one, maybe two. Well, go, no, go down to uh, Hitsagu Devouring Chaos. So it's, it's towards the bottom under the, uh, the promos. There's four different ones. There's a red version, a blue version, and then like a, there's two other versions, um, but they look the same to me. Like that, that greenish yellow, those two Hitsagos, they look exactly the same. Because you're colorblind. Because I'm colorblind. Yeah, so, there's so the one on the far left is neon yellow, then neon green, neon blue, neon pink. Okay, yeah. So I see like neon red, neon blue, and then those other two look exactly the same to me. Like I, I will. What not do they look to, like? They look like a greenish yellow, but they both look like the same. <laughs> they both look like the same greenish yellow to me. <laughs> I'm Good, sorry, but that yeah. seems like a you problem. Yeah, me not. Ten percent of the population's colorblind. That's a ten percent. No of the way. Ten percent. Yes. Yes, 10% of the population is colorblinds. That seems high. That seems high. <laughs> what do you mean? You're the only person I've ever met who's like, I'm colorblind. Well, and you we, tell, us, you talk about we usually keep, episode. We usually keep our disability secret. I'm just a strong proponent <laughs> of the colorblind federation for advancing the welfare of colorblind people. Ooh, Jerry, I want to send you a colorblindness quiz because now I'm 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 intrigued. Um one, one of my friends sent me one, but uh I was able to get like pretty close details, but I'm just curious what you would okay. come up with. All right. It's Jerry. It's, one, it's, Jerry, one, it's, it's only about, listen, listen, only about 8% of men are colorblind and 0.5% of women are colorblind. That's still higher than I would have expected. So, so, so it's that's, not, it's not, it's not 10%, but it's still pretty significant. Have you ever heard the, uh, like, so, you know, like the, like the old joke that like, you know, women are looking at a bunch of different colors and they can, they are like, Oh, these are all different shades of red. And the guy looks at it and says, they're all the same shade of red. And how that's built evolutionarily into our into our like ability to see colors that like women are better able to perceive colors than men are. Yep. Purposefully, I think it's also interesting that women generally are colorblind less than men are because it's it, like evolutionarily speaking, it was much more important for women to not be colorblind than men to be colorblind. Yeah, I guess so. All I know is that I have a disability. All right, I get it. You're not interested in talking about it. We can move disability on. Disability of wizards is not wizards is not like it. It pisses me off. Like there's there's it happens all the time in like video games. Like there are so like um what was it like uh Bioshock when it first came out? If mm-hmm. you were colorblind, mm-hmm. it was actually impossible to to beat Bioshock because there were levels that you had to use like color matching in order to progress the level. And if you're colorblind, you just could not do it. And Bioshock had to come out and do a patch that uh that you know made it so that it was like a color oh they God. changed the color. They had to dumb down their game for you guys. It's not dumbing down. <laughs> D-pad is also like, oh, you're in a wheelchair. It's like, oh, you're too weak to go up a staircase. I mean, I see, I see you're wearing glasses, Jerry. Do you want to ditch those too? I mean, no, I'm it is a actual I I don't think wizards should be going going down that road. It really annoys me. So, so the next companies... time you have Gavin on, you have to be like, use less colors. It's not using less <laughs> colors, it's being it's it's not putting an importance to color that they're doing, like making a color-based rarity like that is very annoying it, it pisses me off it grinds my gears it doesn't need to be a color-based rare you're, you're, you're gonna need a seeing eye assistant to like help you open packs jerry i'm, I'm if you if, listen you listeners, outsource cracking your packs to someone else <laughs> listeners if you are also colorblind if you like to get in on the class action discrimination lawsuit <laughs> <laughs> please contact us 
<laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. There was actually one other card for this set that uh, people were talking about for legacy playability, but I don't think it's great. Good enough is um, March of the Otherworldly Light. Did you guys see this? Mm, no. I, I love the art. It reminds me of um, that Miyazaki movie. Uh, yeah. Spirited away, spirited um, away, or like my my neighbor told. Yeah, it definitely has that. Yeah, that I heard it's a good movie, Spirited Away. I've never seen it, but yeah, very cool. Really but um, I think maybe if they hadn't printed prismatic ending, maybe. But yeah, um, I'm going to read the card. So X and a white as an additional cost to cast a spell. You may exile any number of white cards from your hand. The spell costs two less to cast for each card exiled this way. Exile target artifact feature or enchantment with mana value X or less, and it's an instant. So. In terms of what it does that ending doesn't do, um, I mean, it lets you pitch cards from your hand and make it cheaper. But I I have to say that's usually not worth it. Like, usually you just want to get rid of the card without, you know, costing two cards from yourself. Yep. And then the only other thing it does is it, it's an instant and it can hit um, Urza Saga. So you can basically pay one mana to exile Urza Saga. So that's the one thing that ending doesn't do because you can't hit lands. Um, oh, I guess this this can hit like Seed of the Synod as well. Yep. Um, so yeah, it seems great against uh, eight cast, but uh, in general, you know, you lose some of the flexibility of prismatic ending um, being mana parity. Uh, so it, it just doesn't seem like it makes sense to pay two mana to remove a one drop, which is what you you know would have to do under most situations. Yeah, I will say though, it feels like it would be a little bit better for death and taxes than that. You know, you can pay, you know, five mana and exile in an opponent's batter skull and not have to worry about the converge mechanic, that prismatic ending, because prismatic ending is tied to the colors of mana that you spend, where March only cares about the total mana spent. So that Mm -hmm. is a a little bit of a bonus as well. Yeah, there are some some advantages, but I think the mana parity thing Mm -hmm. for prismatic ending just matters a lot more than these other little extra bonuses. Like just paying two to kill Delver is just is not going to cut it. It's not a, it. It feels mm-hmm. it, it's a better it's a better top end and a, it's a, a much worse low end. Because I mean, also mm-hmm. being an instant versus a sorcery, that's another advantage too. But yeah, like it only really makes sense once you get up to like you know three mana. Uh, below that, you just rather the prismatic ending. Mm-hmm. So, but still a very cool card. Yeah, I'm excited for the set. Um, mm. And then hopefully, you know. We'll see Legacy develop a little bit more. Maybe some decks get a couple new tools, and then uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I know how you guys feel about Merktide Regent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully we get another banned restricted announcement in the next couple weeks. We'll see. <laughs> I, I, I'm That's not going to... Telling say, him how Jerry feels. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to be that fast, but um, you know, if, we can get, if, if something's wrong... Um, format doesn't sort itself out then hopefully we get something within like a couple months rather than like six months <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah it felt like it took a long time to get rid of ragavan like it was or, or it's been around for a minute they always yeah i feel it. like if, if they had banned it you know back in november before eternal weekend now would have been the time they like maybe banned the next card <laughs> they would have figured out okay mm-hmm. this is the next thing to ban 
It yep. they always do this though. It took them forever to ban Sensei's Divining Top. It took them forever to ban Deathrite Shaman. It took them forever to ban Ragavan. Like it always takes them way too long to ban problem cards. Like Sensei's oh. Divining Sensei's Divining Top was years, like years overdue on the Sensei's Divining Top. Okay, that's true. That does happen sometimes, but also it's worth um, giving them credit because they did ban companions after like a month and underworld breach after like a month. So they have, they've had a couple times where they backed quickly. Yeah. But those were like kind of the most busted things. Yeah. Those were egregious (laughs) mistakes. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right. But yeah, I think, I think that's pretty sweet. Bob, thanks so much for, uh, for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure having you on the cast. It's uh, hopefully we get to catch up with you in person real soon. Sounds good, man. Take care guys. Yeah. Pat, you want right. to, you want to close this out? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh. Just uh, what? I, we, we didn't do our anti-work segments. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll save it for next week. It's all good. You said you'd save it for next week. Last week. <laughs> Bob. Oh, oh, the oh, no, let's do worst, it. Let's do it. Worst yeah. boss story. Yeah, Bob. Do you have a worst boss story that you'd like to share with the group? Uh, uh, well, I think Pat already has one, so you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, my, the one that the one that comes to mind is just like when I was leaving uh, my my job at a at a grocer to go work for the union. I like I I wanted to give them a two weeks notice because I've been there for like six years, and I was like in a leadership position, and. Uh, so I wanted to give him a two weeks notice. I told the guy, uh, like the, the guy who was running the JTC in the union and that, and um, unfortunately the job that he came up, they, they didn't, they couldn't afford to like give me a two week notice. They're like, Hey, we need you. This is, it was like a Thursday. We need you to start Monday. And so I went to my boss, like <laughs> we were already shorthanded. We had just had a guy transfer to another store. And so I went to my immediate boss and was like, Hey, I just want to let you know. He came up to me all flushed and said, Hey, all right, he comes comes into work all flustered, like, hey, all right, now we got to post position for full time, yada yada. I'm gonna post position for part time too. I'm like, about that, you're gonna need to post two full time positions because um, I'm leaving. And, and so I, I hadn't told him I had been taking, I've been going to school and stuff, and I'm sorry, I kind of took him by surprise, but whatever. Um, and I'm like, listen, uh, you know, I will work if you want me to stay on. I can work nights and I can work weekends because I'm obviously not working on the weekends. And uh, he's like, all right, all right, I'll talk to talk to the store, the store leader. And then I sat down with the store leader and he was all bent out of shape, all bullshit about it. Like, you know, this is, you know, this doesn't make any sense. He's like, if it's a, a union job, you can go in whenever you want. I'm like, that's, listen, it's not how it is as an apprentice. Like when you say, ju- when they say jump, you say how high. And so basically he's like, all right, well, we're just going to, we're just going to separate you. I'm like, all right, you know what, whatever. That's fine. I fucking walked out. I'm like, see you guys later. Like <laughs> I finished my shift and like I fucking pieced out of there and never looked back. Um, but yeah, that's, he was, that was like the least, I, I didn't really see why he acted that way. It seemed like, uh, you know, I was trying to do everything I could to like, to make it right. And he was just being an asshole about it. I was like, nah, fuck off. <laughs> I, I just love it when bosses, do, buddy. when bosses do that. It's just like, I need you to come in this Saturday to work. If you don't come in this Saturday to work, don't bother coming in again. It's like, all right, see ya. Mail me my last check. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then the boss yeah, is yeah. like, oh, Pikachu surprise. It's like, oh, <laughs> now I don't have a worker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, my, it's, it's my empty threat didn't cut pay off. <laughs> oh no. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I think um, I had a conversation with my wife not that long ago. I think I might've talked to you about it, Jerry, but like, you know, she was like, she had like taken on the role of another person who had left and she was basically doing the work of two people and uh, someone who had just gotten hired because, you know, they're trying to stay competitive in the job market where she works at the hospital. They pay pe- new people more. They are, they pay new people like a higher rate than other hospitals. 
And so they were making close to what my wife was making. I was like, listen, you got to tell them like you got to like even if you lie to them, be like, hey, I have an offer from another place. So you either give me like a four dollar an hour pay raise wherever I'm going to leave, which she ended up doing. And yeah, and which was great. <clears throat> but um, I told her, I was like, listen, like you need to understand your work does not care about you at all, like at all. Like you might have good relationships with people above you and below you, but like when it comes down to it, if you quit today, they would find someone in a week. Like that's just the way that it is. That is, that is life. So like, if you're not looking out for yourself and advocating for yourself, no one's going to, I was trying to drill it into her. It's like, yeah. well, that, no one is going to advocate for you more than you should, more than you will. That's the thing, they do the same thing that my girlfriend is like, they guilt trip you too. It's like, well, if you leave, think about all your friends that your coworkers, how they're going to oh. have to pick up your slack. It's like, Listen, that's on you for not properly staffing. Like, don't right, don't put exactly. that on me. <laughs> don't put that. Yeah, that's exactly. on you for not staffing. Oh. Don't, don't don't put that. Uh, yeah. What What about you, Bob? You got a you got a uh, anti work story? Honestly, I, it's kind of crazy. But uh, I've been at the same company for like, gosh, I started early 2014, so it's been eight years now. So I've had a few different bosses, some better than others, but um, I'm, I'm still at the company. So um, some people call me a lifer now. So I've been pretty happy where I am. <laughs> nice. I will say that too. I, I called my boss up like, hey, inflation is at 6%. I haven't had a raise since before the pandemic. I'm going to need a raise here. He's like, yep, okay. So he gave me a, a 10% raise today and also uh, a wow. nice, nice little bonus. So Congrats, that, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Going to spend That's it all a, on uh, now. Now, now, next week, you need to say, all right, can we set up a time to talk about this same thing next year? That's the, that's the <laughs> yep, exactly. Like, like a standing appointment on, you know, the, tw- the 29th well, of every January. That's what I did. I said, it's like, hey, well, so it was, we were, so he also retroactive uh, gave me my, my raise back to the beginning of the year because we were supposed nice. to do this in December and then I got COVID and I had to miss, miss oh. our meeting. So we finally had our makeup meeting today for it. Um, nice. but, wow, your boss sounds uh, like a decent human being. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what I'm going to say to all you listeners out there. You know, don't be afraid to ask for a raise. You know, yeah. say, hey, I've been, I, I sat down with my boss, like, hey, I've been doing this, this, and this. And mm-hmm. I haven't had a raise in a while. Inflation's eating away at stuff. You know, can I get a little something? He's like, yeah, that is all totally reasonable. Can, Let's can I also say one thing? One thing that I feel very strongly about is talk about what you get paid with your coworkers. Yes. Like the whole the whole thing where like it's 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 a you know it's gauche to talk about what you make with your coworkers or it's a you know some you know, people, you know some who says that's gauche? Say, you know who's that go is gauche is your your boss. Your boss says that well, right. gauche because he doesn't want you conspiring with your coworkers. <laughs> exactly. It's 100%, right? And and like some workplaces will even say it's against it's against policy to talk about your rate about what you get paid with other people, which 100% it is not legal for them to say that. 100 well, yeah. in the united states in the united states in the united states you yeah. are 100 protected by federal law that you are allowed yes. to discuss your wages with your co-workers correct um and so that's the one of the best things you can do to make sure that everyone is making the what they should be making and you know don't be afraid to like don't be afraid to stand up for yourself first and foremost and don't allow yourself to be pushed around don't allow yourself to be taken advantage of do not al- allow don't don't ever work a second that you're not being paid ever, <laughs> ever, 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 ever. Um, yeah. Fucking just fuck them. Honestly. Like <laughs> I, was, uh, I, was, I thought we were going to end on like, a, I know I was like, I'm so inspired right now. Now like I'm like, going to go to his job on Monday and kick the door and be like, fuck you guys. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> but no, but listen, I mean, there are, 
there are ways like you have to understand in the end, like you are selling hours of your life. You are, you know, are selling away your labor. Like you, so just make sure you're getting compensated for it properly. Like don't settle for, don't settle for less than you deserve. You know, yeah. would you don't rather, for less. would you rather be in the bargain basement salami that's on sale? Or would you rather be a filet mignon? Know your worth. I was looping it yeah, back know to your, your worth. Everyone's it, a filet in my eyes. Lo- looping it back to your, your cold cut days at the uh, supermarket, Pat. <laughs> I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> I do. I do. Awesome. Well, Bob, thanks again for coming on this week, man. It was a pleasure to talk to you as always. Um, listen, everyday, Etern- you're still doing everyday eternal, right? Uh, no, Julian, Julian, all them? Julian's taking that over. Um, I've been doing okay. Elo punters with honor oh, right. and that's Daniel right. Gocho for the last year. So that's yeah, come nice. check us out How's at Elo going? punters. Uh, it's been doing all right. Um, we are not quite as consistent as you guys, uh, but, um, we're definitely all super excited to, uh, play legacy again. And sometimes we talk about some other formats like modern pioneer as well. Got bo- nice. posted up right. in uh, the Facebook group too. Every time you guys yeah. come on, you know, punters, always, yeah, Love always it. happy to see that. Awesome. awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on this week, and uh, we'll catch y'all next week. Bye. Bye.